Hi, I'm Erwin McManus. I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I want to also bring you into some exciting things that are happening here. If you go to the Mosaic app, you will learn about our conference coming up this year, about MSC's new album and their tour across the country. And you can learn how to connect and be more involved in Mosaic in so many different ways. And by the way, we now have the Mosaic YouTube channel. And you can go access not only these talks, but other fresh and new materials that are being created specifically for that channel. And so if you want to be connected in a richer and fuller way, uh, not only be a part of the podcast, get to the Mosaic app and get to the channel. And we'll see you there. There are times where I think ahead and I plan what I'm going to talk to you about. Sometimes weeks ahead, sometimes months ahead. And we'll even do a series wrapped around a particular theme or idea, concept, a journey that I want to take you on. But this is one of those rare moments where I didn't even know I was doing a series. And then I realized, oh, I'm doing a series. But it actually began on a Wednesday night in Santa Monica at Mosaic Venice. And and I'm not sure why I was particularly inspired by that community, but I began a series that I called How to Stop Being Stupid. And I've realized that 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 theme has stayed with me over the last several weeks. And that every talk I've given from that point forward has really been around this subject on how to stop being stupid. And I've realized that it's a much more complicated thing because when you're stupid, it's hard to stop being stupid. Because you don't know you're stupid, you think you're smart. And so there's a journey you have to go on. You have to have a crisis of identity where you realize, oh, wow, I'm really stupid. But how do you come to that? Sometimes what you have to see is the outcome of your life because you cannot see the outflow of your life. Have you ever felt as if there's a ceiling on your life that you can't seem to break through the ceiling of your potential, of your capacity? If you have a ceiling that has been there for a while, you might be doing something stupid. Now, I know there are real ceilings. Wow, do I know there are real ceilings. If you're a woman, you know the ceiling is different for women than it is for men. And you've hit that ceiling probably many times. If you're an ethnic minority, you know the ceiling is different for you than for others. And you can hit that ceiling. See, there are times where culture, society, environment, relationships create ceilings for us, that they impose them on us. But I want to assure you that those ceilings cannot stop you from living the life that God created you to live. The tragedy is not that there are external ceilings that have been placed on your life that are holding you down. It's that the only ceilings that can keep you from living your life to your fullest potential are the ceilings you create for yourself. In other words, the ceiling may be you. Now, some of you know this because you've been a part of our story for a while, and if you don't know, this is one of the most important facets of my life. I, I went to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. I am a Tar Heel, and when you go to Chapel Hill, you're always a Tar Heel. You bleed Carolina blue. I went to the same university, in case you are unaware of this, that Michael Jordan went to. And, or maybe I should say Michael Jordan went to the same school I went to since I was there first. I graduated in 81. He won the championship in 82. Both of us made our contributions. And, and, and Michael Jordan, when he went to play for the Chicago Bulls, legend tells us, always wore his Carolina shorts underneath his Bulls shorts because you're always a Tar Heel. And Michael Jordan became probably the most iconic athlete in the world. His brand is everywhere. 
And last year, he, he went to Carolina, and he was at the Carolina Duke basketball game, which is sort of one of those epic rivalries between good and evil. And it's always good to know that those still exist, like in the Lord of the Rings. There is still in this world a Mordor that you have to go and war against. And it's so obvious which one is good and which one is evil because Duke is known as the Blue Devils. And it doesn't matter what color you are, you're still the devil. And so Michael Jordan is there at halftime of this basketball game, and what he was actually releasing was that the Carolina football team was going to start wearing Jordan gear. And the gear is epic. And now our football team looks amazing while they play terribly. And, and while he was there, he gave a speech, and the speech was, was, was stirring, as MJ would do. And, and he said something at the end of the speech that I'll never forget. He said, the ceiling is the roof. I have no idea what that means, but it's, it sounds so profound that when he said it, all of us just cheered. Yeah, that's right. It's so obvious. Why, why, why hasn't anyone ever said that before? The ceiling is the roof. And by the way, if that's all you leave with today, it should change your life. The ceiling is the roof. And I've been thinking about that ever since, wondering, did, did he misspeak? Did he actually say what he wanted to say? Did he mean something else? But he didn't want to retract it because he's MJ. And in fact, after that, it just went viral and he just owned it. Shirts were made. The ceiling is the roof. Here's when Michael Jordan says something. It has to actually mean something. But what if the ceiling is the roof? But you don't know how to get from the ceiling to the roof. What if your ceiling just keeps pressing you down? See, there's some of you, and you're at an early transition in your life. You've, you're just in your early 20s, and you're hitting some ceilings. And, and you may perceive that your ceilings are based on the consequences of your environment. Sometimes our ceilings are rooted in the past, it seems. We blame we blame our parents, we blame our, our upbringing, we blame the pain of the past, we, we, we blame things that, that should be blamed, but they can't be held responsible. Because there comes a certain point where you have to take responsibility for who you are. And there's some of us, then we carry that ceiling into our 30s. See, when it was there in our 20s, we just see that as untapped potential. But when you carry it to your 30s, you start wondering if it's, well, undeveloped potential. And then when you carry it to your 40s, well, eventually people start thinking you're a tragedy of life. And what you need to be careful of is that you will be stopped by the same ceiling over and over and over again. Because you keep making the same choices over and over again. Because you keep choosing to be the same person over and over again. So I'm going to talk to you for a few moments on how to take the roof off. So that you're not limited by your own choices and your own actions and your own self from becoming the person God created you to be and from living the life that God intended you to live. And if you're here and you have the sense that there's a ceiling holding you back, I want you to listen carefully tonight. Because sometimes the people that we think are holding us back are actually just propping us up because they haven't really spoken truth into our lives about what will bring change 
in our lives. So I wanted to go back to the book of Proverbs. I'm going to read a, a few select Proverbs because these are some of the observations that I've made in my life of what keeps people from breaking through the ceiling. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. And I chose the Good News Bible because I like the language in the Good News Bible because this is the continuation of the series, How to Not Be Stupid. And so in Proverbs 12, verse 15, it says, stupid people, I love that. It's just so honest. Stupid people always think they are right. Wise people listen to advice. See, if you're going to break the ceiling that you've created for yourself, you need to learn how to listen to the right people. Because stupid people always think they're right. And if you're here going, wow, this talk doesn't really have anything to do with me. You might really need to listen. If you're here and you're always right, you really need to listen. Because stupid people always think they're right. You know what's strange? Wise people are really aware of how often they're wrong. And even when they're right, they feel a sense of wrong. But stupid people always think they're right. They never have to justify their actions. They never have to justify their choices because they think they're right. And if you're here and you're always right, I want to tell you, you're not always right. You're always stupid. <laughs> now, I know you think, wait a minute, I didn't come to this to hear that I'm stupid. What makes you think I'm talking to you? Stupid people always think they're right, but wise people listen to counsel. Now, this should be incredibly hopeful, because sometimes it feels like what we need is talent that we just don't possess, or we need intelligence that we just never gained, or we need a level of education or training or skill sets that we just don't have available to us, but here it is. All you need to do is stop being stupid, and by choosing to listen, you begin to attack the stupidity in your own life. And here's the crazy thing. You never get so wise that you do not need advice. See, stupid people think that wise people don't need advice. And that's why they're stupid. See, wise people need less advice and want it more. Wise people need less advice and seek it more. Stupid people need more advice and want it less. Stupid people need more advice and seek it less. So here's a great way of knowing from an outside observation if you fall on the stupid or wise spectrum. If you're asking people for input and counsel in your life, you're wise. If you're just looking for people who agree with you, you're being stupid. In fact, this is kind of the tricky thing because stupid people always pretend they're getting advice. I hear it all the time. Oh, no, I sought counsel. I, I went and got advice. But you went to get advice from stupid people. <laughs> and you avoid the advice of the people in your life with wisdom. You ever gone to a therapist? You know, don't volunteer that information. It's just... <laughs> Because you're in L.A., and pretty much everyone does. And, I mean, if you haven't gone to therapy, you're not trying, right? <laughs> and we have multiple kinds of therapy, right? Some of you only have friends because they're free therapists. <laughs> you know how you know that's what your friends are? Because you do all the talking. 
We're, we're just going places tonight. We're just going places tonight because we're going to break the hold of stupidity. And, and I would rather you get angry with me for telling you what you need to hear than looking at your life 30 years from now and wishing somebody had told you the truth. You can be free from stupidity, but you have to choose to start listening to wise people. You know what's interesting? The therapists that people love are the ones who tell you what you want to hear. I've seen people go to counseling once and say, I'm not going back. I don't even, I don't even get her. I don't, who does he think he is? He, he acts like he knows me. He doesn't know you, but he's listening. And he, if he tells you something you don't want to hear, that therapist doesn't know what they're talking about. See, that's what happens so many times even in spiritual life. You'll go to church until someone actually tells you the truth. You'll be on a spiritual path until someone actually begins to deal with your spirit. And then you go, who do they think they are judging me? And so we can't speak into each other's lives. We can't tell each other the truth. And really, do you ever get to the place in your life where you don't need people? Now, here's the crazy thing. We always want to speak into people's lives that we've not earned the right to be trusted by them and to speak into their life. That's why we love gossip. Have you ever noticed that gossip spreads faster than wisdom? Because gossip is salacious and it connects to the darkest part of us. And wisdom causes us to act right. But here's what I think is really fascinating along the way. Who you listen to will be the measure of your intelligence. Because if you listen to the wrong people, they will make you dumber. And if you listen to wise people, they will actually make you smarter. I've had a lot of people, it's funny, comment on my shoes. And because I I started wearing shoes that that don't match. And now now when I wear matching shoes, it just feels wrong. And... (laughs) And I, even today, someone's like, man, I love that talk, but where'd you get those shoes? And, and when I was in Denmark, I walk into a restaurant. The owner of the restaurant comes up to me and goes, man, I love your like, style. Where'd you get those shoes? He's bringing us free stuff all night long. And, and man, I'm, these shoes are taking me places. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I didn't come up with the idea of wearing these shoes this way. I'm just going to own this tonight. I haven't, I haven't shared this truth. Because... Uh, me and Mariah were in New York a couple of months ago and, she, and we walked into the Nike store and she goes, oh, I want these shoes. And she goes, and I'm going to get one in each color and I'm going to m- mix them. So I tried to buy them for her, but they did not have her size. <laughs> they did not have her size because Jesus wanted me to have those shoes. And, I, and she goes, which ones are you going to get? And I said, oh, I'm going to get them both. And he said, Ann, I have an idea. I'm going to wear the opposite ones. Then I'm going to have two pairs. And she gets so upset. How dare you take my idea? I said, sweetheart, that's why I'm so wise. (laughs) Because I don't need to have the best idea. I just need to find the best idea. Because I'm not stupid. <laughs> See, there's some of you here, 
Somewhere along the way, you convince yourself that you are smarter than everyone else. That you're so smart that you don't need anyone's input in your life. But we all need input in our lives. And if you ever get to the place you don't think you need to learn, you desperately need to learn. So the first thing you need to do to break the ceiling is listen to the right people. Stop listening to the wrong people. Listen to Proverbs 9, 7 through 9. It says, if you correct conceited people, you will only be insulted. If you reprimand evil people, you will only get hurt. Never correct conceited people. They will hate you for it. But if you correct the wise, they will respect you. Anything you say to the wise will make them wiser. Whatever you tell the righteous will add to their knowledge. Here's the beautiful thing. I've had so many people in my life say things to me when they did not hope the best for me. They just wanted to destroy me or hurt me or condemn me or judge me. And what I decided years ago is if I have people who have that much darkness directed in my direction, I'm going to take whatever they say and I'm going to learn from it. So even though they intended me harm, what they did is they made me stronger. Because wise people learn from everyone. Those who are for them and those who are against them, they don't care about the motive. They just take that motivation to make themselves better. Listen to the right people. Walk with the right people. See, it's not only that you need to learn how to listen, but you need to learn how to walk and build together. I don't know why, but our culture is so built on this idea that you're not really mature and you're not really strong until you don't need anyone. I actually think it's one of the reasons that, that relationships at their very core have become so difficult. Because we keep acting like we don't need each other. It's, it's one of the reasons why we, we'd rather be entertained in church than to be engaged in community. Because it's so much easier to receive inspiration in a moment than it is to dive into the hard work of being a tribe, of being a people together. But there's a couple of images in Proverbs that I think are so significant. One is in Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. It says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I love that. See, I want your house, your life, to be filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And as you build that house, you're going to realize something very quickly. If your life is a house, it's a house you cannot build by yourself. It's going to take other people to help you build the life that is you. Isn't that crazy? Shouldn't you be able to build your own life by yourself? But you do not build your own life by yourself. You, you can only build a great life with other people building into your life and you building into other people's lives. So I love this imagery that wisdom is building a house. It is the foundation of a house. And, and when you build your house on wisdom, you break the ceiling. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I love Proverbs 9, 6. It's an incredible warning. It says, leave the company of ignorant people and live. <laughs> <laughs> wow, could there ever be a more powerful warning? Why does it matter who I spend time with? Because you will live if you choose the right people. Follow the way of knowledge. Now, I know this is a fine line. This is not talking about being judgmental about other people. But even sociologists tell us this. 
that you are the sum total of the five most meaningful relationships in your life. If you write down the five people in your life, I can tell you who you are. And more than that, I can tell you who you are becoming. See, this is the tricky thing. We're so oftentimes drawn into the darkness of other people that it snuffs out the little bit of light we have in us. Who do you spend your time with? What draws you in? What conversations do you become a part of? What are the core subjects that draw your community in together? Let me tell you, if you spend time with people who are filled with bitterness and anger, your future will be filled with bitterness and anger. If you spend your time with people who are apathetic and angry with the world, your future is going to be an apathetic and angry world. I can tell you what your future looks like by the people you hang with right now. They are the material from which your future is being created. And here's the beautiful thing, though. If you decide to spend your life with people who are full of hope and optimism, your future is going to be full of hope and optimism. If you want a future full... If you want a future full of faith and adventure, you need to get around people full of faith and adventure. By the way, if you want a future filled with people who are filled with grace and compassion, you have to live in a world where you're giving and receiving grace and compassion. Who are your people like? And and some of you, you're going, well, I don't want to let my friends go. But you see, we make different friends at different stages in our lives. And if your life has been defied by anger and bitterness and jealousy and envy, if your life has been defined by focusing on your brokenness and on your hurts, if your life has been defined by living in the past, those are the friends you've brought close to you. And the great danger is the moment your soul longs for a different life, and you say, yes, I want a different life, you're going to end up going back to those relationships and they're going to pull you back because you're going somewhere they're not ready to go. So you're going to have to take a hold of your relationship and go, no, those are the conversations we used to have because that's who I used to be. But it's not who I am and it's not who I'm going to be. See, some of us, we're not proactive antagonists. Some of us are passive compliant, allowing a negative future to become who we are. You have to decide, will you be affected by the people in your life or will you affect the people in your life? See, you don't have to let anybody go, but you have to let your past behavior go. If they go, no, I'm going to build something with my life. God's changing me. Jesus has changed my perspective. My life is going to be full of faith. My life is going to be full of hope. My life is full of hope. And if you want to go with me, I want you to come with me. And no matter how many times you stumble, no matter how many times you fall, no matter how many times we mess up, we'll pick each other up and keep going forward. But I refuse to be who I used to be because I'm becoming who God created me to be. And I'm going to live the future God intended for me. But you got to decide who you're going to build with, who you're going to walk with, who you're going to do life with. 
I love Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's such a great image, isn't it? As iron sharpens iron, you can see the two blades banging against each other. And when those two blades bang against each other, that creates friction and heat and fire. But that's the only way those blades get sharpened. And that's the metaphor for the way our lives are supposed to work together. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. If you do not have meaningful, intimate friendships in your life, you are a dull blade. Because no one can get close enough to you to tell you the truth. See, sometimes we don't want to hear the truth because sometimes the truth, it cuts so deep and it cuts us to the very point where we feel exposed. But those are the relationships that we should keep. Those are the ones we should lean into when there's heat and sparks and it's making us both sharper and sharper and sharper. And that's, that's why some people just choose to attend church rather than become the church. Because I, I talked to so many people, oh, I've gone to church, but you know, people hurt me and, and people disappointed me and people let me down. Well, welcome to humanity. <laughs> but guess what? You're the same species. And if the church can't be a place where we sharpen and sharpen and sharpen each other and get better and better and stronger and stronger, then where in the world can you go? Because you have to be able to be transparent and safe. This has to be a place where you're authentic and real. This has to be the, the most dangerous place in the world because you'll never stay the same and the safest place in the world because you'll never, ever be judged or condemned for where you are as you're moving to where you're going. And that's a great tension, isn't it? As iron sharpens iron, so one sword sharpens another. Who's in your life telling you the truth? Who's speaking things into your life to make you better? Who is inspiring you to get better and be better? I'm just going to be straight up. I've been alive too long to spend my time with people who just want to hang. I get emails and texts all the time. People go, in fact, I was just walking down Larchmont the other day to get something to drink in between writing, and somebody stops me, and we begin a conversation. Hey, I'd love to, you know, just hang. I don't, like, I don't do just hang. I just, I just don't. I mean, I know, I know I should, maybe, but I just don't do just hang, because I'm about something. I'm trying to do something meaningful with my life, and, and I, I, I only have time for people who are determined to be the best of who they are. Now, I don't care if you're at the beginning of the process. I think that's awesome. I love watching you just break out into your greatness. But if you just want someone to console you as you live a life of apathy, you're going to have to stay in that sauna without me. Because I'm looking for people who don't complain about the ceiling, but they break the ceiling. And let me tell you, the only way you will ever break the ceiling is to make sure that you don't break. And the way you don't break is you realize you can't do life alone. I, I used to get irritated when people would say things like, you know, religion is just for the weak. And, and when I came to faith and people would say, you know, you gave your life to God because you just weren't strong enough to do this on your own. And I just wanted to like, I just bristled. And it made me so angry because it was true. What else can I say? You're right. 
I came to the realization I couldn't do life alone. And, and then this is what I began to realizing. Oh, only stupid people think they can do life alone. I mean, if you think you can do this life without God, okay, maybe I'll give you that one for a minute. That you think you can do the life that you were created to do without the creator who created you to do it. All right, I'll just give you that one for a moment. But the idea that you can do your life without people, how did you get to that? You cannot do life without people. You cannot live the life you're created to live without people. You cannot accomplish your dreams without people. You cannot live out your intention without people. You cannot build a house without others helping you build it. Because I, I was a builder. I built buildings, and, and, and I know it takes all kinds of people with all kinds of specializations and, and all kinds of talent and skills. And someone lays the foundation, someone does the roof work, someone you know, does the, the, the sheet metal. Everyone has something different to do, and everyone has different talents and gifts. And you need people in your life to help you become great. And by the way, you need God. It's, it's insane to try to do this life without the God who created you. And to me, it's one of the most liberating things in the world to go, okay, God, I need to listen to wisdom so I can break the ceiling, but I, I need to walk with the right tribe, with the right community to move forward. And God created you to walk with him and to walk with his people so that together you can create something bigger than yourself. But by the way, just a little side note, this is so cool. I... I, I I had uh, these friends, and they, in the seven years we've been here, they've never walked into this building. But, but um, they found their faith basically through a mosaic. And, and they came to a deep relationship with Jesus because of mosaic. And they listened to the live stream and podcast, and they'll probably be listening to this. And we were together, and he said, hey, you know, you guys give at the end of the year for, for your foundation. This is the beginning of the year, and I want to I, I kind of like inspire giving. I said, that's awesome. I said, what do you want to do? And he wasn't really so clear at first. He goes, I, just, I want you to use me to inspire giving. Just figure out a way. And, and, and I started texting him. He goes, here, let's do this. He goes, I'll give $25,000 if someone at Mosaic will match me and give $25,000. I thought, okay, that's a good way to start. <laughs> and, and, and so that's the challenge I put out today. There's someone, there's this couple who will give $25,000 if someone at Mosaic will rise up and give $25,000. Now, I know some of you would love to give that, but you don't make $25,000 in the entire year. (laughs) But there's some of you here who are pretending you're that person and you could give it. And they're saying, as iron sharpens iron, they want to just inspire someone. So I I threw that out today, and there is a couple, I don't even know who they are. I don't even recognize the name. And they sent an email and they said, we would love to meet that challenge. And, and this is so cool. And in fact, they used the word delighted. So we're delighted to meet his challenge. And then we'd like to send him a challenge that we'll give $50,000 if he'll match the 50000 And... Choo, choo. Sword, sharpening sword. And I read that and I thought, ooh, this is getting good. This is, this is like Braveheart. 
And so I sent that text with not, not a lot of detail. I just sent their email attached. And I said, man, things are happening. And I thought he'd keep reading. And then he emailed me back and he goes, this is awesome. So we'll just give $100,000. <laughs> I realized, oh, that's why these people are rich. It's because they love challenges. Because they don't want to give themselves to small things and to small dreams and to small passions and to small visions. They're inspired when there's greatness involved. So I want to challenge some of you here right now. You need to respond to this. This is your challenge. And, and, and maybe you're the 25,000 or the 50,000 or the 100,000. And maybe you're going, I'll match them and raise them. I'm just going to believe somebody here is that kind of person. Because we build together, never alone. So you need to listen to wise counsel. You need to walk with the right people. But here's the hardest one. It doesn't sound very spiritual. But it's in the Bible. You need to work harder than everybody else. See, if there's a real ceiling in your life, just accept something. No one's going to move that ceiling for you. You're going to have to move it. And if you created your own ceiling because you are your own ceiling, no one can break it for you. You have to do it. And the only way you can do this, you have to decide, I want to step into the fullness of what God created me to live. Whatever price I have to pay. And I love this, that the Bible makes so much about work. Listen to this, Proverbs 13, 4. Now we've been talking about stupid people, but we're going to expand. We're going to talk about stupid, lazy people. But don't worry, it's not talking about you. <laughs> Listen to this. No matter how much a lazy person may want something, how bad do you want it? He will never get it. <laughs> so straight. See, there are people in cafes everywhere in L.A. Talking about the life they want. With other people talking about the life they want. And all of them are agreeing on how the industry is stopping them from fulfilling their dreams. No one sees my talent. No one recognizes me. It's the man. Who is the man? I've seen so. I walked into a store. Stop the man. Give it to the man. Go against Who is the man? See, sometimes you're the man and you're a woman. See, sometimes the problem is we want life to come to us, but we're not willing to fight for it. No matter how much a lazy person may want something, he will never get it. So I can tell you, even if you believe in Jesus, if you're lazy, you will never live the life that God created you to live. Because Jesus died for your sins, but you have to work through your stupidity. And he calls you into your destiny. But you have to step into your determination. God gives you the opportunity, but you have to bring the desire. Proverbs 13, 11 says, the more easily you get your wealth, the sooner you will lose it. I think that one's really important. That explains the whole lottery thing. That explains Las Vegas. You, you just smell the stench of despair everywhere. Isn't it amazing that people can win hundreds of millions of dollars in an instant and be devastated within years. Because the more easily you get your wealth, the sooner you will lose it. There are some of you who are trust fund children. I've known so many people that were given $100 million by their parents 
of their grandparents. And they're paralyzed and cannot find an internal compass with which to live their lives. Because you got it too easily. You didn't work for it. See, when you work for your wealth, you actually build the character to carry that wealth forward well. That's why he says, the more easily you get your wealth, the sooner you will lose it. The harder it is to earn, the more you will have. That makes me really hopeful. Because if it's the harder it is to earn, it's been really hard. And it says, the more you'll have, so I'm going to have a lot. I mean, it's coming because I've been working really, really hard and it hasn't come easy. Proverbs 12, 24 says, hard work will give you power. Some of you feel powerless. You keep hoping someone will give you power. But here the scriptures tell us hard work will give you power. Being lazy will make you a slave. See, no one is going to force you to live the life God created you to live. People will be happy if you settle for less. They will be thrilled if you will be their employee or if you will be their tool or if you will be their slave. But until you step into your own hard work, you will not define or create your future. Nothing will give you more room to create your future than getting up every day and giving it everything you have. In Proverbs 12, 27 says, if you are lazy, you will never get what you are after. But if you work hard, you will get a fortune. It was amazing. Uh, I think it was over a month ago, I I did a talk on uh, sharpening your edge. And in that, I made a statement. When you take a paycheck, that is a social contract for you to bring your best. And I've had such... Um, a fallback from that statement. In fact, someone even recently came to me and said, when I heard that, I knew I had to resign. And what's amazing to me is that in our lives, we don't have to wait for an opportunity to be great. You have to decide to get up and bring your best. See, what I, what I hope for us is that we become the kind of community that whatever your, your, your desire is, whatever your intention is, whatever your career is, whatever your direction is, is that you never settle for mediocrity. That you never accept who you are today as who you're going to be tomorrow. That you will actually decide, I'm going to break the ceiling in my life. Who I am today is not who I'm going to be tomorrow. And let me tell you, there are people who will want to hold you back because they want to see you as you were and not as you're becoming. And if you don't find the strength to say, I'm going to do the hard work of becoming the person that God created me to be. I'm going to do the hard work of creating a different future. Everyone who knew you in the past will hold you to the past. That's the beautiful thing about being in a community that's leaning forward. See, when you're creating your future, you begin to applaud someone when they begin to move into their future. When you're building a better world, you applaud and celebrate everyone else who's trying to build a better world. One of the beautiful things that happens in life is that when you begin to break your ceiling, ceilings begin to break all around you because your life becomes hope that their life can be filled with hope. I love writing books. It's a hard process. And whenever I finish the manuscript, I have to send it to an editor. And I think they're employed by the devil. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I've had a lot of different editors over the years, and editors always have to fight for the reader. That's what they always tell me. We fight for the reader so that when your book goes out, it can be most accessible for the reader. And, and I have a particular contract where no one can change any of my words. Every word in my books are mine, but they can say anything they want, and they can give me all the input they want. And I get a lot of input. And one of the most challenging things is that process when you disagree with an editor, and some days you love them, and some days you hate them, and, but you have to have thick skin because you're, you're giving your heart and soul down on, on, on text to another human being, and then they're just cutting it to pieces. And recently, or last year, Aaron and I went up to Colorado to the publishing company, and he had this great idea of taking them gifts and just thanking them for all their hard work. And he said, Dad, just keep this positive. And, and so we went up there, and I kept it positive just the whole time, just thanking them for the hard work, affirming them for what a great job they've done for celebrating the last arrow. And, and then the, the senior editor uh, pulled me into a private room, and he goes, hey, we need to have a conversation. And I said, about what? He goes, you know, about the editing process. And I said, no, no, this is a, this is a positive meeting. I, I'm here just to affirm and celebrate. And he goes, no, no, we need to have a talk. I know you're not happy with the editorial process. And I go, no, that's for another time. We're just here just to celebrate. And, and he just kept saying, look, I'm not going to leave until you have this conversation with me. And I kept thinking how Aaron kept saying, dad, no critiques, no critiques. And uh, just, just affirm them. And and, and I said, okay, let's have this conversation. So he closed the door. We sat down. He goes, all right, how can we help you from our end with our editorial process? And I said, you're just way too nice. He goes, what? I said, you're just too kind. You write all these nice notes all the way through the manuscript, and I don't really need that. I just need you to be brutal. I just need your critique. I just need you to be harsher. Just, just straight up tell me what's bad, what's good. No, don't even tell me what's good. Just tell me what's bad. I'm just going to assume it's good until you tell me it's bad. And, and he goes, you're complaining because we're not being critical enough. I said, exactly. He goes, you're the first author in our history who's ever complained about that. And he said, in fact, we get worse manuscripts from people who want less critique. This is the best manuscript we've gotten, and you want more critique. And I just said straight up, you know what the difference is? I want to be great. I want my books to be great. I want you to want my books to be great. I don't want you to settle for anything less. I want you to cut and cut and cut at the depth of my soul until we come out with the best work of art humanly possible. And let me tell you, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for us. I want this to be the kind of place where we just get better and better and better. I want this to be the kind of place that you cannot survive it if you choose mediocrity. I want this to be the kind of place that you choose another church because you're going, they're calling me to too much. You can leave here because we've called you to too much, but not because we've expected too little. Because your life matters too much for us to think less of you. There's too much in you, too much talent, too much gifting, too much passion, too much intelligence, too much of God's imprint in your life for us to believe that this is all there is for you. There's more. There's more. There's more. It's time to take the roof off. Because if you haven't heard it anywhere else, the ceiling <laughs> is the roof. <laughs> but the ceiling looks like the limit. 
So you got to jump out the window, go up the fire escape, get on the roof, and see the view from there. So what I want you to do right now is I want to ask you a simple question. Are you ready to step into the life you were created for? Some of you, that means you need to cross the line of faith right now. And you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to stop trying to do life alone and just own it and say, God, I need you. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he rose from the dead for you and for me, for us. There's no ceiling that can stop you when Jesus is the one you're walking with. Would you just bow your heads to me just for a moment, just close your eyes. If you're here right now and you're ready to trust Jesus with your life, you're ready to receive his forgiveness and his freedom, his love, his grace. If you're ready to cross the line of faith, I want you to pray this simple prayer right now. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it, just one simple sentence. It's not everything that you and God need to talk about, but it's the right beginning. It's the start of a conversation that will last forever. Right now, just whisper it to him. Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, Jesus, I give you my life. Just open your heart to him right now. If you will give him your life, he will give you his life. And that's where life begins. Right now, just whisper to him, Jesus. I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. If that's your prayer, I want to pray for you. Because in this moment, you've crossed from death into life. And everything begins anew in this moment. Right now, if you prayed this prayer and said, Jesus, I give you my life, I want to pray for you, but I want you to raise your hand high and say, yes, that's me. Beautiful, right away. Beautiful. Anyone else? Right now, just hold your hand up high. Wonderful. All over the room. Anyone else? Right now, this is your moment. You've stepped across the line of faith. You've said, Jesus, I give you my life. This is your moment right now. Anyone else? So beautiful. All over the room. Father, I thank you for those that in this moment have crossed the line of faith and trusted you with their life. I pray, Lord God, that you would just wrap them up in your love and let them know they belong to you, that you'll never leave them or abandon them. And God, in this moment, there's been a great exchange. They have given you their life. You have given them your life. And I pray that, God, this day would be a marker for them, the beginning of new things. We're so grateful, Father. We celebrate new lives, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we just thank God for all those who responded to him? So good. If you guys would just indulge me for a moment, turn that TV back on, can you? The camera? It just went off. There you are. Is that back on? Because there's some of you who are listening on the live stream. There's some of you who are listening on the podcast. And I'm just absolutely convinced that God is speaking into your life that Jesus has reached into the private spaces of where you are and he's calling you to himself. 
And whether you're listening here in Los Angeles or whether you're in New York or whether you're in London or Berlin or wherever you may be around the world, I, I just want to challenge you in this moment to tell someone that you've had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Because you're a part of Mosaic, whether you realize it or not. You're a part of our community. Email us and let us know that you've come to know him. We want to know. We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray with you. And then there's some of you here, and you're watching across the world, and this is your community. And if God is investing in your life, I want to challenge you to invest in the life of this community. There's some of you out there, and for you, $25,000 is what you drop for dinner. And, I mean, it'd be a great meal. And, uh, <laughs> but I just want to challenge some of you because this community gives so much to invest in the lives of people around the world. And so in this moment, I want to invite those of you around the world to invest in this community. Because as you do that, one by one, people's lives are forever changed. And that makes it worth it all. Because I know this. Whatever future God has for you, whatever life you're supposed to live, it can only be lived when we invest in each other's lives and we do it together. And that's why I just want to encourage you. If you made a private decision today to give your life to Jesus, don't leave it private. Make it public. Connect to people. Walk with others. And watch what God will do. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received. Allow it to go deeply into your soul. To allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic. To go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation. To become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.